Hi, and welcome to the Mama Needs Podcast. My name is Jen, and I am so happy that you're with me today. This podcast is just for you, Mama, because you matter. Each week, I'll be talking with another mama. As most conversations with women go, we'll cover a multitude of topics, but mainly we'll share stories of motherhood, all the ups and downs, lessons learned, and how these mamas practice self-care. So take a seat, fold your laundry, drink your coffee, do your dishes, I know you're multitasking, and listen in. Before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to Lita Pita on iTunes, who left an awesome review on the Mama Needs podcast. So I'm going to read it. This is a great podcast to help you realize that we are all going through similar things as moms. Jen does a great job making you feel like you're sitting around a table together, drinking coffee and talking about life. That is so kind. And that's exactly what I want this podcast to feel like. So I would love it if you would go to iTunes and give me five stars and a short review. It really helps all the other moms be able to see this podcast and help us uh, get the word out about it. So thank you so much. I'd really appreciate it. In this episode, I'm interviewing my new friend, Amber Salas. She is a writer, fitness coach, and podcaster who helps women come home to themselves, uncover their passions, and love the body they live in. She lives in the Oregon countryside with her husband of 16 years and their two kids, Jax and Bella, and their ever-growing herd of animals. You'll hear more about that. I met Amber just six months ago, and we become fast friends. She is the other half of the Mom Wants More podcast, and I was on their show back in May. Amber cracks me up in this episode a lot, and I just love how real and honest she is, especially about motherhood. Enjoy my conversation with my friend, Amber. All right. Hey, Amber. Thanks for being on the Mama Needs podcast. How are you today? Hey, Jen. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Um, Why don't you first start off by telling us who you are, where you live, um, a little bit about your family and what you guys do. Yeah, so my name's Amber Salas. Um, I'm 37 years old, so inching my way closer to <laughs> that middle mark, which is weird. I don't feel that age. I, I mean, I'm not one to care about it, like, oh, that's so old or whatever, yeah. but it is weird. Like, I, I still, I guess I'm old enough to forget my age. When people ask me, I have to, like, <laughs> right. and, like count it out. I'm like, oh, God, oh, yeah, I am 37. Okay. <laughs> So, 37, um, been married to my husband for almost 17 years. We have two kiddos. Our daughter, Bella, is 12. Our son, Jax, is nine. So, I feel like we're kind of in like, I mean, I hate to say it out loud, knock on wood, but like that <laughs> sweet spot of parenting mm-hmm. where, I mean, we're like, we're right on the cusp of so much change with my daughter. Like, yes, she had her first year of middle school this year and there's like adolescence and things are changing. Like all of that is just like so close, but I, but she still has that like little kid, like still wants me to tuck her in at night. Aww. And you know, like they're just at that age where they're independent enough that, um, we're able to like have a lot of fun with them right now, but they're still little enough that they like, you know, want our affection and yes. believe everything we tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. It. Yeah. Uh, kind of in that middle season with our kiddos. Um, we live in the Oregon countryside. We've gosh, we've been married 16 years and we had had two, 10 different addresses in 12 years. Until oh, wow. We, yeah. We moved around a lot. We would, we're, my husband's like a project guy. So we did a lot of remodeling 
old houses, things like that. But we actually built this house out here in the country four years ago, and we're finally ready to put down some roots, and we've been collecting animals like crazy <laughs> since we got out here. <laughs> I think we're up to like eight now, so we should probably slow our roll, but yeah, we're just living the country life. Um, I am a writer and a podcaster. Um, as you know, Jen, I've met you through Hope Writers. Mm-hmm. And- a mastermind together. So fun. So I'm excited on your podcast. Yes. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, we, we were actually at the Hope Writers podcast at the same time. Um, you mean the workshop? What did I say? Podcast? Podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes. The workshop conference thing, um, in Charlotte, we were there. Was it three years ago? Yeah. Already three years. And it's so funny because we never met. I didn't even know you existed. You didn't know I existed. Um, and, you know, there's a Hope Writers Facebook group, but I just never, um, I didn't know who you were until our mutual friend, Alana, um, had you join her podcast and you guys do that together, which is an awesome podcast. You guys, I had Alana on the podcast, uh, on my podcast. Gosh, I can't remember which episode number it was now, but um, it was a few episodes ago. And so they have a podcast together called the Mom Wants More podcast. It's wonderful. You guys should check it out. Um, and then I joined a mastermind with our friend Alana and Amber's in it and a few other awesome ladies. And so it's been really fun getting to know Amber in the last um, like couple of months, I guess now. Yeah. yeah, it cracks me up. Like what a small kind of world it is within that writing sort of creative work podcasty community because that yeah that workshop was over three years ago but I still am making connections from people that were like wait I was there too and like some of the like these collaborations with Alana and like the friendships that have come out of that I just love um like how supportive everybody is of each other. Like we're all out here trying to like do our thing and everybody's so encouraging to everybody Mm -hmm. else. I love that. Yes, it's so true. Um, And you guys, you need to follow Amber because she has the cutest goats. (laughs) (laughs) So that's part of our animal collection. Yes. (laughs) I never like, I'm not a country person, you know, I've lived in the city my whole life until just four and a half years ago. Uh, But I have never really seen baby goats before and like she's been chronicling their lives on Instagram stories for us and they are the cutest things and now they're getting big and I'm like no go back to being small and cute (laughs) I know I mean honestly I never figured myself for a goat person but here I am (laughs) and I love it they are really like the funniest animals like I they're our entertainment honestly so many nights we'll just like sit on our back porch and it's cool because our neighbor just across the fence, she has like eight goats. We have four now. Ours, our mama just had two babies this spring and oh my gosh, they're just, they're, they do the funniest things. Like they climb on top of each other and like it, this goat culture is like a whole thing. Yeah, People do know? yoga. It's so yes, funny. Yes. I was just <laughs> introduced to goat yoga. I haven't done it, but I saw it and I was like, what in the world? So they just like lay on your, or stand on your backs while you're doing downward dog or something. Uh, like know. goats are climbers. They will climb on anything they can find. So humans funny. included. And it cracks me up because our neighbor, she has done goat yoga. I mean, she's, she loves her goats like next level. Like she takes them in the house. <laughs> He takes them in the car. I'm not kidding. No, no. Okay, we're not there yet, but. (laughs) Uh, We have a place close by, uh, uh, probably about 15 minutes away, and it's called Goats on the Roof. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. And <laughs> it's just this random, but it's everybody you walk, you drive by and you're like, wait, what? What's goats on the roof? And I guess it's like a putt putt place. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the whole deal is. I actually haven't been to it, but I've always been like, oh, we're close to home because I saw the goats on the roof, you know? <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know. Oh, but anyway, you guys check her out. She's at Amber Solace. And of course, I'll have her name um, and Instagram posted so that you guys can follow her. But well, let's dive into these questions about motherhood. Um, yeah. I'm curious to know, I haven't, you know, I've, I've kind of know you more on a business, uh, businessy yeah. level, but I would love to hear your mama story and how you became a mom and just a little bit about that journey so far. Yeah. So my husband and I got married pretty young. Um, I was 20, he was 22 and, um, we waited about five years before trying, which I'm really thankful. I mean, not like there's any right or wrong way to do it. It's, you know, whatever yeah, works yeah. for you. But we were so young and we knew we were living down in Southern California at the time. And we knew once we had kids, we'd probably, we're small town people. Like I'm from a really small town in Southern Oregon called Grants Pass. And he grew up in a really small town in California called Big Bear. And we're both just like, <laughs> we're country folk. Like we like the mountains and the trees and um, so we were living down in Huntington beach for the first few years of our marriage, but we kind of knew like, once we have kids, we'll probably go back to go back home where our friends and our family were and stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, we moved back to Oregon and I mean, I feel like my journey towards motherhood has been really simple and straightforward and sort of heartbreak free. I, I mean, I know so many women who've wrestled with infertility and miscarriage and, um, it's such a common thing, but that wasn't. A part of our story so we just I mean we tried like first week we tried I got pregnant <laughs> and awesome. saw those two lines so we had our daughter Bella and then when she was about two we decided to try again and same thing got pregnant pretty quickly and um, then we had our son Jackson and um, I had pretty sketchy deliveries both times they were a little bit like um, my daughter came really fast and furious and it was like, they were like, we got to get her out. We barely made it to the hospital in time, you know, that whole thing. Um, and then my son was the opposite. He took a long time, but both of our babies were like, they just, I had a great pregnancy. All that was smooth. Like I didn't get sick. I just got big and round and jolly <laughs> and happy. <laughs> um, but deliveries were another story. They were kind of dangerous. The babies mm. were in stress. And, you know, thank God for modern medicine because yeah. okay, emergency C-section, some breathing apparatus, and we're all good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but both of our babies were really hard babies, mm. like severe colic, severe oh. acid reflux. Um and so like with our daughter, it was, I mean, it was really rough for like the first couple of months. It was just like, I feel like every mom can remember <clears throat> like one day that was really hard where your baby cried just for hours and hours. And like, you always remember that day. Mm -hmm. And it was like that, like every day, oh, <laughs> like terrible witching hour, like at three o'clock she'd start, I mean, it just like a blood curdling, screaming cry. Oh. And I mean, she would go to like sometimes nine or 10 at night. And so it just, it was so tough because as a new mama, you know, you feel like, you feel like your whole job is to like comfort your baby and feed your baby. <laughs> Both of those were like, I mean, so many days I would end up in tears right along with the baby. You know, my husband would come home at five or six and he'd tag me out and, 
Um, but her colic only lasted like a couple of months, which is pretty standard, you know. And then, then the clouds parted, and I kind of was like, okay, like well, I'm a new person. I'm, I'm I'm still a fun person. Like I just need a little bit of sleep. Yes. <laughs> Quiet. You kind of like come out out of the clouds, and you're like, oh yes, this is what it's like to be a, a normal person. <laughs> yeah, like you have to like reacquaint yourself with yourself, you know. Yes. <laughs> And everybody told us the second time around when we found out it was a boy, they're like, you know, this is going to be so much different. Like you always get, God always gives you like one of each, you know, you got your hard one out of the way. This one's going to be easy. And I like wholeheartedly clung to that. Like I was like, yes, this is going to be better. This is going to be easy. And I mean, oh my gosh, my son was like so much worse than she, I mean, his colic (laughs) lasted for like six months. Oh man. And, and with the acid reflux, like both of my babies, like all of my mom friends, cause I had friends, we were having babies around the same time, you know, and they would like sit down to nurse or bond as they would call it, and, like get this far away look in their eye and like in, <laughs> in the rocking chair. And I'm over there, like my baby's like arching its back and like committing all manner of evil against my, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, like, I feel like I'm trying to point like but they had acid reflux. So, you know, eating is a whole thing, but you know, the good thing was the second time around, even though it drug out and it was really hard and it lasted way longer than we hoped. At least I knew the second time around, like, this is not going to last forever. Like, this is not my motherhood story. Like the clouds will part. It will. And, and they did like one day when he was about six months old and he was able to start sitting up and like eating solid foods, he became like the happiest kid. Mm. and like was making up for lost time I feel like you know right. <laughs> he's like mom I can be awesome I'll show you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it was tough like it was really kind of turbulent for me those first early months and years of motherhood there's such like a bittersweet time mm-hmm. because yeah. I wanted so badly like for my whole life, like my biggest dream was like, I wanted to be a mom. I knew that I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. And then I finally stepped into this role and it was like very jolting. It was so different from what I expected it to be. Um, and I wanted so badly to just like be present and soak up those early months. But, but in all honesty, like I was in survival mode. I was like, we're just getting through the day. Yeah. <laughs> That's what success looked like at that time was to get through the day. And and that's okay. I think for a long time I was really, I had a lot of shame about that and like was really hard on myself. Like, why can't I just enjoy this more? And I mean, I loved my babies to death. Don't get me wrong. So many happy moments, of course, you know, but it's all kind of like shrouded in a fog in my (laughs) mind of like the screaming and crying and throwing up, you know? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would blame you for that. I have another friend who I interviewed on the podcast, Kristen, her son, her first son had severe acid reflux, like choking and it it was silent. So it wouldn't just come out as, you know. Yeah. Big mess. It would just be, it would be very silent. It would just come around like the edges of his mouth and his nose. And she tried everything. And finally, you know, finally it got under control. They found the right medicine. But Mm -hmm. I remember her being in like a daze all the time. And I felt so bad because there's nothing you can do, you know, and it's just, but then finally he came out and it was like, oh, 
there's the, there's my baby. Like there yeah. he is, you know? Yeah. Like there you are. Yeah. It's tough too. It can feel like a science experiment at times. Cause we had to do the same thing. Like our, our kids reflex was pretty bad mm-hmm. and it was, you know, they had a hard time keeping weight on and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And so we would try different medications and as soon as you'd get it figured out, they'd have a growth spurt. And so oh. having to learn how to like advocate for your kid and, you know, figure out what's best for them and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about when you were pregnant. Um, I always like to hear what what advice people gave other mothers when they were pregnant because I think uh, some people mean so well and they just give some really bad advice. <laughs> but then some people are like those mentor type people and they give you really amazing advice that you kind of hold on to and tell other moms about. So what's some, you know, good, bad, interesting advice people gave you? Yeah, I think, I hate to say that it's bad advice because I think the sentiment behind it is really good, but I found it sort of difficult. Like it was, it it was hard for me to wrap my head around was the advice that everybody tells you, which is just savor every minute. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have said that on this podcast. <laughs> it's so true. It's terrible. <laughs> There's no way you can savor every moment. <laughs> but I mean, and I think the sentiment behind that is so positive of like, yes. it really does. I mean, I can attest to this now, like we are past the halfway point of like, you know, our kids being 18 years old, not that we'll be done parenting them when they're 18, but I mean, it's, it's wild how fast it goes. So Mm -hmm. I get it. Like, yes, show up, be present, be in the moment. But like, I felt this pressure before I even had my baby in my arms to like, enjoy every minute. And I know like, like I just shared, you know, those early couple of years were really hard. Like, and so then I had a lot of guilt because I was like, I'm not enjoying and then it, then you just spiral out and it's like not helpful. So I, I wouldn't say that it's bad advice, but it wasn't the most helpful advice for me. Sure. I mean, for me, a better narrative was to just sort of like be in the moment and accept it for what it is and find the good in it when you can. And, you know, there's going to be good moments. There's going to be hard moments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, some good advice I had I received, I think, would be to have a birth plan, but hold that plan very loosely. Yes. Because I was, I am like the biggest baby, Jen. Like I will not even sit here and pretend that I like, when it comes to pain, like I'm out, give me the easy way out. Sure. So my whole pregnancy, I would tell my doctor, like every appointment, like I want the epidural, like put it in the chart. And he would always chuckle and be like, Amber, like it's here. It's in the chart. You're going to get the epidural. Everybody gets the epidural. Like, why are you so worried about it? And as luck would have it, I didn't get the epidural. <laughs> oh, man. But, I mean, I was fully counting on that sucker. And where, where I delivered my week, because we live in a small town, it was like a half-hour drive to the hospital. And so, you know, it's my first time. You don't know what to expect. And contractions started. And then they were getting close, like getting to the five-minute mark. So we're doing all the things and we're timing them. And um, my water broke. And it was like instant like it was just like oh like we gotta go now like I could tell something was happening so we drove like crazy you know I was climbing the walls of the car we get to the hospital 
And by that point, I was already like in transition. I didn't know it yet, but my contractions were on top of each other and my body is like trembling. And <laughs> I couldn't even, I couldn't even like walk from the front desk to the delivery room, you know, and I could totally tell that the nurses were like, sweetie, is this your first baby? Like they're, they're thinking like, I'm just being dramatic, you know, and I wasn't like screaming and yelling or anything. Like, honestly, I didn't even have the breath for that. I was just like, I was just making like weird guttural sounds. (laughs) So they get me on the table and they check me and sure enough, it was like time to push. And then they're like, and I'm like, no, no, wait, wait, I need my epidural. And they're like, we don't even have time to throw an aspirin at you. Like we got to get this baby out. You're going to push. We're going to pull. And then it was like, I mean, I just panicked like in no, I mean, I should have rationally realized that that was a possible outcome, but really I was like, so intent on getting the epidural that like when it came time to actually labor without it, I just like, I panicked and I was like retreating kind of into myself. I just closed my eyes and like, wait for the pain to be gone. And then there just kind of came a moment where I realized like, okay, like the only way I'm going to get a baby out of this and like make it out of this is to just the harder, the worse it hurts, the harder I'm going to push. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there's probably a metaphor for life in there somewhere. Oh, but. there is. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like it was good advice to have a plan, but hold that plan real loose because you just never know what's going to happen. Oh, that's very wise, very smart. And I feel like I I learned that the first time around as well because I had a plan. Of course, I I, I was like, I, I don't, I'm kind of a baby with pain too, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a martyr and I'm going to, I'm going to just try. And then if I need it, then I'll get it, you know, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh my baby, uh, and I'm sure that there's some controversy about this, but I don't really care because it's my story, but it's just, uh, she, she didn't drop and she was 39 weeks still way high up in my belly. And, uh, they didn't tell me I should have a C-section. They suggested it and I thought about it and prayed about it. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And, uh, when she came out, the cord was wrapped around her neck and her belly, mm-hmm. and she was like lodged in there, very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, I didn't plan on having a C-section. I took all the classes, mm-hmm. um, and then you think, you think, uh, yes, I want to breastfeed. Okay, this is going to be a piece of cake because babies come out and they just know what to do, right? No, no, no. they don't. No. <laughs> I mean, some <laughs> do. Some do. My third came out. And he latched on like a pro. And I was like, what is this life? I don't know what this is. Because my second, my first and my second did not have, uh, we did not have an easy time breastfeeding. And it was really frustrating. But, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you're right. You just have to hold it loosely because no matter what you, what you want to do, I mean, sometimes it works out for people, but probably nine times out of 10, something happens and you have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and Again, thank God for modern medicine, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a similar thing with my son. The second time around, I was I was ready in case it happened fast. I was like, I actually went to the hospital like four times, like, is it happening? And they're like, you know, go home. Um, but with him, my labor was actually slow. And so I got the epidural and I was like, oh, we are in easy street. Like, this is going to be awesome. But he was under stress the whole time. And it was like that thing where it came time to push and his heart rate kept dropping and the doctor was like talking to me about doing a C-section and he was like, you know, really it could go either way. Like I could have you try to push or we could just do a C-section. And I was like, well, 
I looked at him and I was, he was this really kind older man. And he sat on the edge of my bed and I was like, if this was your daughter, what would you do? And mm-hmm. his eyes filled up with tears and he was like, I would not take any chances. I would do a C-section. Aww. So we did. And thank goodness, because same thing, the cord was wrapped all around his neck. It would have been so bad if I would have tried to put, it's just, it's just right. like, you just don't even want to think about what would happen. Yeah, exactly. And thank yeah. God that when he came out, they were able to do things to help him breathe and all of that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, those birth plans, they're fun to think about. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, that's like real happened. adventure. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's the adventure. The sponsor of this podcast is the Mama Needs subscription box. It is a monthly curated self-care box just for mamas. Our mission is to help mamas remember to put themselves on their to-do list and remind them that they matter. Each box is filled with four to six items every month, gifts, self-care tools, and products all packed and done for you. Every month is a new and relevant theme. Some of our past themes have been Mama Needs Peace, Mama Needs Chocolate, Mama Needs a Spa Day, and more. The boxes are $39.99 plus shipping, but you can get free shipping on your very first box by using the code PODCAST at checkout. Just go to mamaneedsbox.com. All right, now back to our conversation. Tell us kind of your funniest mama story that you've had so far. I always love to hear what, you know, what, what people's kids do or like what the mom does, like how embarrassed they are. Like it's really fun <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> this is so hard because, I, I mean, uh, there's so many, right? Like your kids will embarrass you. They will oh, yeah. make things socially awkward. They will say <laughs> things like – so many like things I was trying to think of like, gosh, what's like the funniest? I don't know. But the one story that never fails to crack up our whole family, like as soon as we think of it, we all just start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, so we have two dogs. We're major dog people and they're big dogs. And, um, our son, when he was a toddler, my kids were major binky babies too. Like they love their binkies. Mm Mm-hmm. And our toddler is rolling around on the ground with the dog. And I see him like, it's like you can just see their wheels turning sometimes, you know? And I see him like looking at my dog's butt. Like, oh no, what is that? And like, we're, and I'm just like, we're watching TV as a family and I'm kind of like looking at him and like, he's not gonna like, I'm thinking, is he gonna try to stick his finger in the dog's butt or something? Like, (laughs) I'm ready, you know? And next thing I know, he takes out his binky and just, Tries, I mean, he wasn't entirely successful, but he basically <laughs> stuck his binky at my dog's butt. Oh. That slow motion thing of like, no, like forever unclean. Yeah. <laughs> and my dog was just like, he was up and he was out. Like, <laughs> and Jackson's just sitting there like, what? I don't understand. I what happened? I saw a hole and I wanted to fill it. <laughs> And we were, we were just like, oh my gosh! And whenever we talk about it, we all just crack up. Like, oh my gosh! That's Jackson really... stuck his binky up Scout's butt. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh man. Okay. So I always want to talk about um, mom hacks because I feel like they're so helpful to everyone listening. Mm-hmm. That maybe you just, you know, your brain is like full at capacity, and sometimes. The easy way is right in front of you and you just miss it because you can't, you can't mentally go there. And that that has happened to me so many times where I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had just stopped for a second, 
you know, I could have seen the solution right there. Anyway, um, so I've come up with some mom hacks myself in my life. So I'm wondering what you have come up with as far as mom hacks. I feel like mine's not very sexy or exciting. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm so happy because it results in cleanliness. And to me, that is sexy and exciting. For sure. <laughs> and so like my kids, it, it's funny. My kids like love, my daughter's always, she's very like organizational. I'm like, mom, will you make us like a chore chart? And for so many years, I was like, I'm not dealing with that. Like that's like one more thing for me to do. And I've always had a mentality of like, you're going to do things around the house and help out because you live here. Like (laughs) maybe you'll get an allowance, maybe you won't, I don't know, but you live here, so you're going to help. So for a lot of years, we kind of operated under that MO. But now as my kids have gotten older, they have like my biggest hack that helps me on a daily, weekly basis is like they have a few things that they know they have to do, like clean up their bedrooms or their cubby in the, in the mudroom or whatever. But they also have a list of chores that they can choose to do if they want to earn money. Um, And so like my daughter's 12 and sometimes she will clean the whole entire house and I'll pay her like 25 bucks or whatever. So it's like cleaner than cheaper than I'd pay a cleaning lady. And she does a pretty good job. I had to be really patient and, and I don't make her do it, but it's like, I've taught her how over the last couple of years. And you know, my son, he's a little less inclined, but like sometimes he'll be like, mom, I want to clean the sinks or I want to clean the bathtub or whatever. And it's like, they're excited because they feel like it's their idea. Like, (laughs) um, and I, you know, I pay them a little bit of money and it's like, my house stays pretty clean. I'm not a very, it's not a very brilliant hack, but it works. (laughs) It's great. I mean, it's great when you have kids that are motivated like that. I feel like your daughter and my daughter, Sadie, um, are very similar. And I think it's that first kid being a girl. Yeah. Uh, I'm super interested in what Sadie's Enneagram number is. I know that you're not supposed to like you know, diagnose it right now. But I'm curious what hers is. But anyway, she was, when you were saying that Bella asked you for a chore chart, like she has always asked for a chore chart. And when we finally implemented one, she was like so happy because things were in order, you know? Uh Um, And then uh, she's the same. Like she, she would clean the whole house probably. And Mm -hmm. she, um, she's, she's teachable, you know, to a certain extent. But it's just funny how, you know, if you have those kids, like, man, use that. Use, <laughs> use what you have. My, my first like inclination is to just do it myself because I yeah. have my system and I'm kind of like, I like things a certain way. And so I have had to let go of that and let it be a little bit sloppy or whatever, but it's giving her tools for later in life. It's helping yeah. me. She's making money. Like we're all happy, but and yeah, she's probably a good saver, right? Is she a good saver with money? Yes. Yeah, totally. so is my we'll daughter. All of her money is like she's the kind of kid who will like go into her room, disappear for an hour, and like she's rearranging her drawers and color coding her closet, <laughs> and that's fun to her. Yes, yes. And my son, not so much, but yes. it is so funny. Like I am, I'm fascinated by the Enneagram. I'm pretty new to it, but I'm learning about it, and I'm like, I want so badly to type my kids, even though I know yeah. you're not supposed to do that. And I mean, it's tough too because it's like they're so young still. Mm-hmm. Is it? are they what they are? I don't know. But right. Yeah. You don't know. Interesting to me. Yes, it is interesting. I'm curious when they get older and we talk about it more because Sadie's heard me talk about it. She's like, what's my number mommy? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't tell you, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't want to, I don't want to like speak things over her that aren't in existence yet. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about self-care. Obviously, you know, um, that's, 
pretty important to me um, and to this podcast community and my business. And so I always like to know what people have kind of figured out about themselves that they need to be filled up um, and not just the the things like the cliche things like go get a pedicure and things like that. But, and those are great. I love doing those too. Um, but like things that really like fill your soul up and, mm -hmm. and just um, keep you going when the times are really hard. Like, like as you had said before, you were in really tough newborn seasons with both of your kids pretty much back to back. <laughs> and so I'm sure there wasn't a lot of self care happening or if there was, it was very small and very like, Mm -hmm. you know, not super obvious to the world. But so what would you say kind of maybe throughout your seasons or maybe just like recently, what, what is your form of self-care? Yeah. I love this question so much because I feel like, which I, I think we said this when you came on our podcast, Jen, it seems like self-care is such a buzzword nowadays that like, what yeah. does it actually mean? You know? Yeah. And I loved your definition of it, which was like, putting yourself back on the list. Like as moms, we're not always going to be able to be at the top of the list. Like yeah. if somebody's puking and has the flu or whatever, like that's going to take precedence, you know, but it's yeah. remembering to at least put ourselves on the list. And honestly, I think when, when I was in that really tough newborn stage, I was pretty young still. And I didn't have the self-awareness to even know what my needs were at the time. I was just kind of like, in the thick of it. But I think during that time for me, self-care was literally just getting out of the house. And yeah. sometimes it, like I would have to get in my car and my husband would be like, you need to go far enough away that you can't hear the crying because it just would, it sets your nerves on edge after a while. Like the first three hours she would cry, I would just be heartbroken for her. Yeah. And then the second three hours she would cry, I would be like pissed. <laughs> For my own sake. <laughs> right. Like I can't take this anymore. I'm about to lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like during those really early years, and this was just one way, and this is just me. I think we're all different, but that's such a big part of self-care is, is understanding your own needs and like what's life giving for you and what's life draining. And I'm a pretty social person. Like I would say I'm a very extroverted introvert. Like I love to talk to people. I can talk to pretty much anybody. Um, but that takes a lot out of me and it took me a long time to realize that really the thing that fills my cup and recharges my battery is time alone, mm -hmm. like just alone <laughs> in a quiet room. <laughs> and so as my kids have gotten older and as I've slowly become more aware that that is what really recharges me the most and the fastest, um, I've, I've just taken really small practical steps, like some seasons of life. It, it's easier for my husband to be like, hey, you know, every day this, every Thursday this summer, I'm going to take the kids for two hours and you can go um, work on your writing or, because that's another thing that's over the years become a big priority for me is my creative work. Being able to focus on writing or podcasting or whatever it, the outlet happens to be at the moment, which it's changed over the years and it'll probably continue to change. But having something having time alone to work on something that's just for me, that makes me feel like my whole self. Because I think sometimes it's easy, while motherhood is like one of the biggest desires of my heart fulfilled. It's like literally the, the longest standing dream I've ever had. And it's this life-giving role, literally. But it also will empty you clear out faster than anything else. And it, there's moments where you can feel like motherhood is swallowing your identity whole. 
Yeah. And you're kind of lost in the minutia of the day, especially in those toddler years. And so finding something to do, like literally could be anything, could be doodling on a notepad, could be like cooking food or, you know, a million different things, but whatever it is that makes you feel like you're having fun and it makes you feel like your whole self and it makes you feel like something more than just this one part of you. Um, that's a huge part of my self care now. Yeah. So what, what I was going to say before I went on that whole long tangent <laughs> was some seasons it's easy to get that time. Like right now my kids are in school, you know, between eight and two and I'm able to work from home. And so I get that time, but other seasons aren't like that, like summer or stressful seasons or chaotic seasons. And in those times, I just have to get super small and practical. And if it means like getting up 20 minutes earlier than I want to, so that I can have that 20 minutes by myself to start my day recharged, then that's what it is. And that's enough. You know, that's good that you've been self-aware enough to figure those things out. And I feel like I'm a lot like you where I was young when I got married too. I was 21, um, had my daughter at 25. And so I, you know, I didn't know anything about motherhood, much less like really myself, you know? Right. And yeah, so you just, it's maybe something that is kind of a process, you know, um, that just kind of happens over time as you grow, as you get older, as your kids get older, and as, as you learn them um, and who they are. So I love that. I love that. Um, I also wanted to ask you about friendship because I know it's so hard sometimes uh, when, you know, everything is about the kids. And I remember, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I think I said it to my mom because I interviewed my mom on the second episode <laughs> and um, I had to have her on, you know, she's, uh, yeah. the ultimate, she's the ultimate mama. And so I told her that when I was a kid, you know, probably eight, nine, 10, that kind of age, I noticed that she really didn't have friends. Like she would talk on the phone to friends, um, but like she never went out for like a girl's night. She never really had people over like we we didn't really have play dates I don't know when I was younger we did but I just kind of told her one day or asked her like mom do you have friends and I remember her laughing and being like well yeah but I don't have time because I've got two kids and I have a job and blah 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 yeah. and so um that has always stuck with me always and um I I knew I wanted to you know continue to cultivate friendships during motherhood and mm -hmm. really do life together with my friends. Um, because I just feel like, you know, it's, we need each other. We need community. So yeah. I'm curious how that's been for you. How have you kind of maintained and cultivated your friendships uh, during motherhood? I feel like I've been really lucky in that regard because I grew up in the small town that we currently live in now. And so my, I have a best friend, actually, we've We've been best friends since we were four years old. Her name's Amber as well. <laughs> How funny. Um, and so, I mean, we've been friends for, what, 33 years now, you know? And then we also have just like a pretty, a pretty tight-knit small community here within our town of, of other mamas. And we've, we're, we had babies together and we're raising babies together. And we're not all at the same stage, but we're pretty close. And so I feel really lucky in that regard because – these are women that I was friends with before I became a mom. And so we kind of walked through that transition together because you, you change during that time. Yeah. And it can feel very isolating and it's scary and it's new and it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's all those things. And 
just being able to talk about it in an honest way with a sense of humor with people that I felt safe with, which is a huge thing too. Like huge, being able to get past that comfort level with people where you're not trying to put up a good front. You're just like, if you're having a bad day or if your kid's being naughty or whatever, you aren't mortified over it, you know? Right. <laughs> yes. But I mean, it takes effort to get there. And so I feel like being a mom is one of the best ways to make friends because Absolutely. when your kid goes to preschool, like, you know, you, you meet all those other moms and you're in the same boat. And so if you don't have those relationships already, I think it's really hard to do sometimes to put yourself out there, but it's so worth it because you might just find your people. You might not. I mean, I can't tell you how many awkward <laughs> Like play dates I've had to sit through because it's that thing where like your kid makes plans with a friend at school like oh I want to hang out with this person you're like we don't know them we don't I don't know those people they don't know my problems like I'm just gonna send you over to their house uh-uh, so it's that no. let's meet at the park you know to like the to make sure you're normal people and I can't tell you how many awkward situations like that I've been in for my kid but that's what we do right we that's do that what we do me. yes but sometimes you uncover like you find your your people that you just click with and you laugh about the same things and you worry about the same things and it's been interesting as my kids have gotten older because I feel like um, even through like the first half of elementary school, I would just naturally see my friends a lot more like at school drop off at pickup preschool. We do lo- like, hey, let's grab coffee. Let's grab lunch. We would play cards while our kids are at pre- preschool. <laughs> and now that our kids are all getting older and like they all have their own schedules now, like sports and things like that, it's, it's a lot harder to connect And that's something that's like, I realized in this last year, I haven't made as much of an effort to do because I have been more wrapped up in like my creative work. And so that's something that I realized this year, like, man, I need to make that a priority because there's just something different about getting actual FaceTime with people. It just does something different for the relationship than like, you know, we'll Voxer or social media or whatever. It's, that's all great. Like we can keep up with each other's lives, but um, we have to be a lot more intentional now about carving out that time. Yeah. Yeah. I found that too, as the kids get older, which is funny <laughs> because yeah, they've got more activities. Totally. Um, but yeah, you do have to be intentional. And I feel like too, when I, um, when I get together with my friends, I learn things from them. Like they teach mm-hmm. me things and I'm, I'm able to pour into someone else. And that fills me up too, is just being able to connect, um, with a, an adult (laughs) during the day and feel like, you know, I learned, I I'm taking away something or I gave something away and it just feels, it feels good. So Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. What is your favorite thing to do with your kiddos? Um, So we started a tradition, actually, my best friend Amber and I, um, about six or seven years ago now. It was actually an idea that we borrowed from, I don't know if you follow Melanie Schenkel. I do. I love her. Yeah. She's a real, she's like one of my favorite writers. Her and Emily Freeman are like my two heroes. But I, I started following her quite a few years back when I discovered her books and realized that her and her best friend, who they've been best friends for a really long time, they would take these road trips together every year. Mm. And uh, I showed it to Amber because I was had read like a blog post about it or something. And I was like, dude, we need to be doing this. Like, <laughs> we're obsessed with each other. Our kids are obsessed with each other. Like, let's take this show on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because our kids are all pretty close in age and they all adore each other. And so it's a tradition we started. It's like one of my favorite things of the whole year because 
it is always like the best of times and the worst of times. There's always calamity. Somebody has a freak out or a meltdown or a tire pops or like there's always some kind of adventure that we have to work through. But it's always like that is the thing that my kids will talk about all year long. Like remember when we did this on the road trip or um, so we started when our littlest were two, when Jackson Violet were two and now they're nine. So this year will be our seventh. Oh my gosh. I love that you do this. That is so fun. Yeah. I love it too. It takes a lot of planning and effort and stuff, but we don't, we're not fancy. We don't spend a lot of money. We don't stay in super fancy hotels. I mean, we're like old school, like pile in a van, get a good playlist, pack enough snacks to feed an army, (laughs) whatever the number of water bottle it is, you think you'll need double it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, but yeah. Where do you guys go? Where have you gone? Like what have been some of the highlights? Well, it's kind of tough because where we live in Oregon, like, so like Melanie and her best friend, they live in Texas and Texas is huge and you can drive two hours in any direction and find like a water park or a zoo, right. or, you know, and here it's tough because we have to go further. So we went to um, Yosemite one year. We've, dri- we've driven all the way to Disneyland twice, which is like a 12 hour 13, 15-hour trek with kids. So wow. we, I, mean, I've, I could tell you so many stories. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> we did t- Lake Tahoe one year. We've done Santa Cruz a couple of years. So we usually have to drive a good six to eight hours to get somewhere. Um, but yeah, we're going to go to Disneyland this year again and Aww. go to the beach. And it's fun. It's really fun. That is so fun. I want to do that so bad. <laughs> you should start. I'm like such an advocate. I'm such a pusher. I'm like, everybody should like just grab a friend, like somebody that you know pretty well. You yeah, know, yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like a whole thing. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, and just be prepared for good times and bad times and you'll laugh about it and have stories for life. Oh, that is amazing. Almost like, almost like they're cousins. Like they're so close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like at this point, I feel like our kids really are like, family like we will be in the car it's always the drive home that's the hardest because everybody's tired and there's nothing else fun to look forward to and it's like that seven hour trek home and they could be in the car like fighting like you know she's breathing on me and like his windows cracked and somebody farted and (laughs) fighting 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 and then the second we get home they're like can we spend the night at each other's house like we're not done yet (laughs) oh I love it that's awesome that's so cool Well, I wanted to wrap it up, um, but I always ask this at the end because I feel like it's so important. Um, You know, you and I have both admitted we were so young, didn't know what we were doing. I certainly didn't know what I was doing. I'll speak for myself. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah. Um, So I always wonder if you could give advice to a brand new mama, what would it be? Um, His torn. I'm going to be a cheater and give two pieces of advice. (laughs) I feel like advice for new moms. I have such a heart to connect with moms who are in that new stage, that transitional stage with a newborn, which I consider like the first two years. It's just, it's so much is changing so fast. My advice to moms in that stage is to just take the pressure off yourself and do what gets you through the day. If it's formula, great. If it's breastfeeding, great. If it's hiring somebody to come sit with your kid for two hours so you don't lose your mind, like don't beat yourself up about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do what works for you. Um, But I feel like my more big picture advice, which I'm still, I mean, I'm still in the thick of it. You know, I'm, I'm somewhat of a seasoned mom, but not that much yet. But um, some advice that my sister gave me, she's older, her kids are older and adults now. 
she always told me major on the majors and minor on the minors, like figure out what's the most important to you. Is it that your kids are confident and kind and respectful and they, you know, have a good grasp of God and the world and (laughs) themselves? Is it, you know, like maybe if their bed's not made, maybe that's not the most important thing to you. Like it's okay to like pick and choose, especially in certain seasons, what really matters to you, major on the majors, minor on the minors, you know, do your best and forget the rest. (laughs) That's good. That's so good. I love that. It's almost like to, you know, the saying of like, don't die, like what hill are you going to die on? You know, like it's, it's not worth dying on the hill, (laughs) you know, of, of making your bed or, you know, making sure that the the trash is picked up or something, um, something small, you know, I love, I love thinking about that because it is true. And, um, I feel like that comes up a lot. Um, just, especially now that my kids are getting older and I'm kind of seeing who they are as people and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to fix this, you know, (laughs) um, like, you know, talking back or something. I'm like, I hope you are not talking back at school or at Sunday school or wherever you are. Like, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing to think about that. But I mean, that would be something I would major on for sure. Right. Whereas, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't have cared so much about it when he's like three or four. Right. That's kind of like a normal thing to do, you know? So yes, that's really good advice. I love that. I always love hearing what people say because I feel like it really helps me. (laughs) It helps me remember or, um, you know, learn something new. So thanks for sharing that. Oh yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I have loved, uh, I've loved chatting with you and just getting to know you better. And hopefully we will actually meet in person one of these days. <laughs> we will, we, we will, we'll just have to make it happen. We'll be patient, but yes, I've yeah. had such a blast chatting with you. Thanks for letting me come on and talk about motherhood. I motherhood is like, gosh, it's like one of the biggest deals in my life right now. And it's, I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast because parenting is so personal and it's so different for each of us, but it's like we all struggle, I think sometimes in such common ways, but we keep it private. And so I love that you're just having these conversations and asking moms for other advice. And yeah, that's how we all grow together, you know? Absolutely. I think it is, I think it is so important. I feel like in my mom's generation and you know, our parents' generation that they didn't really share that much. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my mom will say that to me. We didn't, we didn't really talk. It wasn't our business. We didn't talk about stuff like that. And not that it's, you know, not that I'm getting in everybody's business, but I feel like when you finally say something out loud, it becomes less scary and you feel less, um, when you say something out loud and someone says, oh yes, me too. Like I feel that way too. Or I did that too. You feel your shame level goes like way down. I'm sure there's a Brene Brown quote somewhere in there, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I think she has a book. I have the book. Um, it's called, it was one of her early ones. It's like, I thought it was just me, but it wasn't. That's the title of the book. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Because she studies on shame. So Anyway, yeah, that's why I'm doing this is just to make make you feel normal, <laughs> make you oh, feel like yes. you're not alone. That is I love good, it. Important work right there. I just yeah. making mamas feel normal. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Amber, thanks so much. And you guys definitely check her out. Um, the mom wants more podcast.com. Is that right? The yep. mom wants more. 
Um, and you can hear my episode with Amber and Alana. It was just earlier in May. So check that out if you want to. And they've had some awesome guests on their show. So thanks, Ann, uh, Amber. <laughs> I don't I like combine Alana and Amber. <laughs> you can call me Anna from now on. I'll, I'll call that. <laughs> thanks, Amber. Thank you, Jen. This was such a blast. I love her and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to find her at Amber Salas on Instagram and ambersalas.com and subscribe to the Mom Wants More podcast. Until next time, you matter, Mama.